Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. Thank you for listening and sharing these podcasts with other people. To learn more about or support Rooted to Live Ministries, please visit us at rootedtolive.com. This is episode number five in the Path to Happiness series, and we've been considering what true happiness really is, that it's a deep-rooted joy. Jesus teaches us about the blessed life, but it seems to be quite different than the route that we'd personally take to find happiness. He describes the truly blessed or happy person with one attribute after another, each one a building, a building upon itself. Found in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And that's the verse we're looking at today. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy comes from a heart that knows its spiritual poverty, has grieved over its sin, and learned to get over itself, and is hungry for Christ to satisfy with his righteousness. The mercy that God blesses is itself the blessing of God. Um, So it's like saying mercy comes from mercy. So what is mercy? Some define it as not getting what you do deserve. And that is definitely an experience of mercy for sure. In English, the word mercy is related to compassion and refraining from punishing. The Greek word for mercy means essentially the same thing as the English. However, it's likely that Jesus spoke in Aramaic, and the idea behind his statement about mercy most likely comes from a larger concept found in the Old Testament. The word used there most connected to God's mercy is hesed. It's a word that means God's covenantal, promise-keeping, loving-kindness, from which mercy flows and acts. So real mercy, God's mercy, is the actual um, compassionate treatment that addresses the needs of others. Consider God's mercy. It's mercy that initiates relationships with people who do not deserve to be in relationship with him, and it's his steadfast love that sustains that relationship. His mercy never fails. The mercy of God is evident in the Old Testament in saving his people from slavery in Egypt and from their enemies over and over and over again. The scriptures teach that God's mercy cannot be exhausted, can never be exhausted. And that's right there, a big distinguishment between he and us. Um, His mercy versus our mercy. His point of exhaustion versus our point of exhaustion. Of course, he has none. But we do. Uh, For instance, if you have children and you uh, are with them for more than 24 hours at a time, maybe like a weekend where you're not at work and you're just together, um, you will be reminded uh, of the exhaustion points that you have. Like telling kids over and over again, don't do that. Stop doing that. Stop pushing your sister. Stop doing that. No, it's not time for a snack. No, it's not time for that. No. Please stop over and over and over again. And unlike human mercy, this is proved by God's ability and willingness to forgive his people over and over again. Uh, We see this in the book of Judges. 
Uh, you'll see this phrase in the scriptures in the book of Judges. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then he would rescue them again and again and again. In the New Testament, we see God's mercy through Jesus providing a way to freedom from our own slavery to sin. Through loving kindness and mercy, Christ made a way for us. Alienated, spiritually dead, orphaned, imperfect enemies, us, to be in relationship with a holy, perfect, heavenly, loving, merciful Father. We're reminded of such a notion in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses um, 9 and 10. Uh, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We couldn't be his people on our own. It took God's mercy through Christ to all who will believe. Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. And that's another aspect of mercy. Mercy is doing for others what they cannot do for themselves. So God's bringing people into his family is an act of mercy. Uh, Romans 9.23 reads that we who are heirs of salvation are called objects of his mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 explains that everyone is, everyone is born spiritually dead in their sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, makes us alive in Christ. Of course, Jesus Christ is our great example of dispensing mercy. Christ not only displays mercy through his death on our behalf, but also through his ministry of interceding, caring, providing, and healing. People who would call out to Jesus, be merciful, and he was. And they found him to be merciful. He didn't just preach repentance or tell them about heaven someday, but was moved by loving compassion. And he, in mercy, ministered to others in meeting both temporary and eternal needs. Jesus shares what is likely considered the most stunning story of mercy. It's found in Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 30. Jesus tells this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to this place where he saw this man, saw where he was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The Samaritan, he went up to him, and the man who was wounded and beaten and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Hmm. In the story, the religious folks, the priest and the Levite, weren't merciful and believed uh, and believed that this cultural uh, enemy of the, the day, that's what's so unbelievable about the story, this Samaritan, Uh, That person acted in mercy. Uh, In Jesus' story, we see that mercy does actually a few things here. Uh, Number one, it sees people as they are. Seeing people for who they really are, image bearers of God. Number two, mercy responds with compassion. And three, mercy provides practical care and relief. So it's really that simple, (laughs) and yet it's so difficult, isn't it? Christ's story here of the Good Samaritan should serve as a warning to us who who call ourselves Christians. Uh, 
Sometimes we lack the ability to see distress or are missing a heart to respond with compassion or or are not compelled by the gospel we receive to bring relief to other people. Being a church person but not having a heart of mercy is a problem. Uh, Showing God's mercy to others gives genuine evidence, really, of having received God's mercy. Hmm. So we've really done nothing to deserve what Jesus has given, right? I think most believers agree to that. So are we as believers, are we ready as Christians to show mercy to others? So it's true that mercy is doing for others what they cannot do for themselves, but there's more. Mercy also means that mercy received should lead to mercy displayed. Why don't we continuously show mercy? And then the answer is because by nature we are actually unmerciful. Extending the mercy to others takes an effort we don't want to give, and it usually costs more than we want to pay. We like to look out for ourselves. We like to find ways to blame the downtrodden for being downtrodden, or we like revenge. So we withhold forgiveness because it seems someone would be let off the hook, and that's unfair. However, Christ paid the penalty for that sin on the cross, which um, the world finds as foolish as a foolish form of justice, of course. But praise God, the mercy found in Jesus doesn't just follow our lead. It follows Christ's lead. As redeemed children, we are to follow um, uh, God through looking to Christ, who is himself God, looking into Christ's example. God's mercy occurs from one person to another because repentant people who have been given mercy from God demonstrate that mercy toward other people. So then mercy is more than a feeling. Mercy is action. Mercy moves us on behalf of others who have no way to help themselves. Consider an everyday expression of mercy like um, giving to the poor. Luke chapter 12 verse 33 shows us that this kind of giving is a characteristic of being a follower of Jesus. And in the early church, it seemed to be like a normal aspect of the Christian life. You can find that in Acts 24. In this In this way, Christians seem to be like Jesus and introduce the recipient to what Christ is like. What would it be like if people came to know Jesus personally through God's righteousness and mercy displayed through you to other people? Hmm. If all we could know about what is most important to God was by looking at your life, what would we learn? And the answer to that question matters. Jesus gives us tough teaching to to those who considered the closest to God about ignoring what is important to him. Jesus speaks often in tough forms, in tough ways, tough teachings. And he's speaking oftentimes about those who are supposedly really close to God. But he talks about ignoring what is most important to God. This is Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 23 and just verse 23 and verse 24. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So if I work hard on the fine points of theology, but ignore imitating God's character, his heart of mercy toward others, what have I become? See, these kind of warnings are in both the Old and New Testament. When Jesus was questioned by the religious concerning the kind of people he associates himself with, he quotes the prophet Hosea saying, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So to not show mercy is to be unaware that we ourselves need mercy. 
God desires that we would bend our wills to his spirit whereby he produces genuine compassion expressed in acts of mercy toward others as we have experienced such mercy in Christ. So in a way it's saying mercy begets mercy. So where does the happiness come from? If this is a path to happiness, looking again at the promise in Matthew uh, chapter 5, back to these beatitudes as some, as some call them. The verse for today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Where is the statement of happiness? Blessed are the merciful. Now here's the promise. For they will be shown mercy. Is this passage saying that mercy is earned by performing mercy? Well, some teach that. And some people actually even use like James chapter 2, verse 13. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Some people use that passage to justify the fact that um, you have to earn mercy. But earned mercy is a contradiction, isn't it? If mercy is earned, then it's not mercy at all. It's a payment. So I view our text and the James text in light of all scripture. The people who show God's mercy are happy because they have previously received God's mercy and are free to give mercy to others. As, and as, as they do that, they are continually recognizing more and more the mercy of God in their own life. That's what they see. His mercies are new every morning. So we receive more of God's mercy daily as he is merciful and dispenses as freely as he'd like and as, we, as much as we want to continually receive it. But for those who reject God's mercy, for those that want to say no to that, then they have nothing to give because you can't give what you don't got. To reject God's mercy given in Jesus then is to accept judgment and to deny that which will truly make someone happy, true happiness, joy, a deep-rooted contentment. So if you're sensing that you need to grow in mercy toward other people, the downtrodden, the poor, the needy, people that can't help themselves, then the way to become a more merciful person is to become a more broken person. And that's really the idea found in the first six verses of this teaching by Jesus. If you are a Christ follower and, and you aren't sure about where to dispense mercy in your life and in a certain area, ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to open your eyes and your heart for an opportunity. I'm sure he'd love to come through for you to show you that. And just to give to others what you yourself have been given in Christ. Truly happy are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy.